Coming up on Stu Does America, filmmaker Tommy Horowitz goes undercover in the BLM movement. Horrible COVID policies are now even screwing over Holocaust survivors. And the world continues to pretend that Donald Trump and his administration didn't deliver us a fast and effective vaccine. Let's do the Delta variant. Stu Does America. Run, everybody! The Delta variant is here. Aren't you just so excited to hear more about the Delta variant? I bet it's exactly what you wanted to do when you woke up this morning. So, what is the Delta variant? Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. The Delta variant is a new scary thing, a thing that should scare you. Scare, scare, fear. The Delta variant is basically what they used to call the Indian variant until we decided that was evil and racist and xenophobic to do. Because keeping these things uh, you know, in an understandable sort of way uh, to be told to people is not the top priority here. The top priority is not offending Indian people, I guess, who might think that we don't like them because we're calling it the Indian variant. Here's the thing. Nobody... Zero people on Earth blame the country of origin for a variant of a virus. We don't say, hey, uh, you know, we don't like the Indian variant of the virus. Now, you want to talk about a country that took government action to hide the variant, then maybe we'll we'll, we'll get pissed at that government, like uh, what we saw kind of in China. Uh, But the the, the Chinese people got nothing to worry about. We're not we're not angry at the Chinese people or the Indian people or the British people or the South African people or the Brazilian people, just to name a few variants. Delta, as it's known, is about twice as contagious as Corona Classic. Ah, yes, the good old Corona Classic. Do you remember the taste? I don't like new Corona. I like Corona Classic. Uh, Delta does not seem to be much more deadly in any way. At least we don't know that so far. It just seems to be more contagious and get passed around a lot more quickly. Now, the good news, of course, here, and this gets buried all the time, is that the vaccines that we've been taking, well, they work well against the Delta variant. Uh, Studies show between 64 and 88 percent effectiveness. And, you know, that really understates it in a way because that's just a matter of cases. Uh, Israel found that really low number at 64%, which is much lower than the other studies, largely because they seem to test a lot of people that don't have any symptoms, so they're catching more asymptomatic cases. But the bottom line is it's knocking out a lot of cases, making ones that might make you, uh, cases that may have made you sick before, turn into asymptomatic cases and wiping most of them off the map entirely. And especially when when you're talking about hospitalizations and you're talking about deaths. Those are being completely eliminated largely with these vaccines. So how much worry should you have? Well, if you're vaccinated, you should have none worry. Zero worry, none worry, wouldn't take, uh, wouldn't change one thing about what you're doing right now. Uh, Wouldn't be worried about it, wouldn't put my masks back on, wouldn't get scared every time Anthony Fauci goes on TV. Now, how much worry should you have if you're unvaccinated? Well, probably a bit more. This isn't nothing. Okay, Uh, all the research shows that it is more contagious and you're more likely to get COVID because of Delta. That doesn't mean that we shut down society. It doesn't mean that we go go back to lockdown. Doesn't even mean to me 
that we put masks back on. Now, if you're a careful person, you want to put your mask on and you're unvaccinated, yeah, feel free to do that. I, you know, we've gone over the mask studies before. There's not that much difference that's done with masks. If you're really scared about it, I mean, you probably should just get vaccinated. If you don't want to do that, well, you know, you're going to have to be either really careful or maybe worry about it a slightly bit, you know, a slight bit more than you did before. If before you didn't care about it at all, maybe you care about it a little tiny bit. If before you were really worried about it, be maybe a little bit more worried about it. But generally speaking, it's a little worse and we shouldn't exactly go to the highest level of panic over Delta, uh, the Delta variant. It's one of those things that the, the media just needs something to do at some level. Um, now, we're told, of course, that it's Republicans who don't get vaccinated. Uh, as you know, the evil people in the South, the people who are in those red states, those Trump voters. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe those people? Those are the people that are not getting vaccinated. It's not exactly true universally, uh, as we see, you know, many voters, you know, African-Americans are one of the most uh, hesitant groups to get vaccinated. And, and as we know, over 90 percent of people uh, who are African-American did not vote for the Republican. That's usually how this works. So does the White House, I guess the question is, actually want the people from the South, from the red states to get vaccinated. Because I got to ask you, if you actually want people in red states, people who are Trump voters, people in the South to get vaccinated, why would you approach it this way? This is this is Jen Psaki explaining what she's going to do with the vaccine. President will outline five areas his team is focused on to get more Americans vaccinated. One, uh, targeted community by community door to door outreach oh, to get remaining Americans vaccinated by ensuring they have the information they need on how both safe and accessible the vaccine is. Mm, there you go. Now, I don't think Jen's coming door to door personally with her needles. But if you think you have people that are on the right who are suspicious of government. Why would your approach be? to go door to door with Jen Psaki's needles and harass them. Does not sound like a strategy that is likely to pay off now, does it? If they really cared about stopping this pandemic, I don't know, they'd probably do something else, right? They wouldn't bring the Biden administration to their front door in some invasive way. That's the last thing you would do. I have talked to people who are like, ah, I'm on the fence about the vaccine. But I, I tell you this, if someone shows up at my door from the Biden administration trying to convince me to do it, screw off. I'm never going to do it. Now, that might not be the, the best way to handle your medicine. <laughs> Probably not the best way to make health decisions, which based basically on whether the group that you don't like is trying to push them. But... That's reality. That's uh, American life in 2021. People are pissed off at the other side. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. So if you want to get those people vaccinated, you would find someone that that audience likes. I got news for you. The audience does not like Jen Psaki or Joe Biden. <laughs> those are not the people for this. And really, who is the person for it? I mean, it, you know, people have moments of hesitation. You're trying to get a Donald Trump voter uh, who is skeptical of the government, who doesn't want to be told what to do, who's been told by uh, is sick of Anthony Fauci, is told by the, the, you know, the news constantly how evil they are for not listening to all the expert scientists. There's only one man for this job, and that man is former President Donald Trump. I know it sounds crazy, but like, really, is this a partisan issue? It shouldn't be. And remember, if there's one cheerleader who's been very consistent 
of the vaccine from the very beginning, and I'm talking January and February of 2020, that person is Donald Trump. He's the biggest cheerleader of the vaccine. Let me give you just a few examples of this, because this is lost now to history. All of a sudden, the Trump voter are the ones who don't like the vaccine, supposedly, and the, uh, the left wing are the ones cheering it on. Well, here is an official statement from Donald Trump on March 10th. I hope everyone remembers when they're getting the COVID-19, often referred to as the China virus vaccine, that if I wasn't president, you wouldn't be getting that beautiful shot for five years at best and probably wouldn't be getting it at all. I hope everyone remembers. Do we remember? I don't know. The media doesn't want you to remember, that's for sure. He announced the completion of the vaccine in December of last year. When the China virus invaded our shores, I promised that we would produce a vaccine in record time before the end of the year. They said it couldn't be done. But with today's announcement, we have now achieved that goal. The United States is the first nation in the world to produce a verifiably safe and effective vaccine. Today's achievement is a reminder of America's unlimited potential when we have the will and the courage to pursue ambitious goals. As I've said from the beginning, a vaccine will vanquish the virus and return life back to normal. The pandemic may have begun in China, but we are ending it right here in America. I mean, that's America F yeah. I mean, right there. That's what we like. That's what we like about the president. He comes out and he just says, you know what, we're just going to solve the problem. Screw all this other side stuff. We're just going to end it today. He went uh, in after uh, he left office. He was speaking at CPAC. This is back in February. Here's what he said. Never let them forget this was us. We did this. And the distribution is moving along according to our plan. And it's moving along really well. Uh, we had the military, what they've done, our generals and all of the people, what they've done is incredible. But remember, you know, we took care of a lot of people, including, I guess, on December 21st, we took care of Joe Biden because he got his shot. He got his vaccine. He forgot. Hmm. Interesting thing. Hmm. Here he is, uh, Donald Trump, appearing on Newsmax TV with Dick Morris at the end of May. Now, I know you said, and I completely agree with you, that it's the right of every American to decide if they want to be vaccinated or not. But do you think we should require healthcare workers who are exposed to patients to be vaccinated? Well, I think we should certainly try and convince them. Look, I'm a, a big fan of the vaccine. I was the one that got it done in record time, less than nine months. Everyone said it would take three years, five years. And it's why people are getting better now. We, we not only did that, we also ordered billions of dollars uh, worth of it before we even knew if it worked. And that was one of the best bets ever made because they wouldn't have their vaccinations yet. But I, I think having, uh, having uh, workers at least convincing them to try and do it because, you know, I believe in the freedom, I believe in all of that, but the vaccine really has been unbelievably effective and it's saving this country, it's saving the world. So, yeah, I mean, it's something that uh, hopefully you could convince people to do it. Keeping always freedom in mind, but convince people to do it. Saving our freedom, saving the world. Again, if you're trying to convince Republicans to take the vaccine, is, aren't these the comments to highlight? Here's Donald Trump talking to Sean Hannity in, uh, just a few weeks ago in mid-June. Nobody did as good a job with the pandemic as we did, and that's why we're leading the world in terms of 
coming back. And that was all set long before Biden came in, including the fact that we came up with vaccines in less than nine months when a lot of people, everybody said it was going to take three to five years and you probably wouldn't be successful. And if we weren't successful, Sean, I'll tell you this, you would have another 1917 uh, tragedy where almost 100 million people died. But we were successful, so it was a great thing. Wow. Now, uh, on the brand new show, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton, who are uh, newly in the Rush Limbaugh time slot with Premier Radio Networks, they had the president on their show as well. And here's what he said. Because of what we did and because I came up with the vaccine in nine months instead of I did it in less than nine months. It was supposed to be Buck, you know this. It was supposed to be five years, three years, but it'll never happen. By that time, everybody would have been dead. This would have been, if I didn't do that, this would have been another Spanish flu of 1917, where perhaps 100 million people died. The FDA does not like Donald Trump. Let me put it that way. They, they have never seen anything like it. They would have, this thing would have taken more than, much more than three years. And I don't think they would have even ever gotten it. But we did things that were uh, miraculous. People call it a miracle, actually. And then, you know, I went out and did something else that people don't talk about. I bought $12 billion worth of the vaccine before we knew it worked. We had an idea it worked, but before. And you wouldn't have the shots till October of this year. So no, I mean, Operation Warp months. Speed, President Trump was was an amazing yeah. miracle and you deserve tremendous yeah. credit for that. Where is this stuff in the actual media? I mean, this is the former president of the United States talking about this stuff all the time. He's doing this on show after show after show after show. Conservatives are putting them on where the left is trying to ban Donald Trump from social media. The left is trying is never bringing him on for interviews. What about doing something like that? And by the way, uh, Trump himself, he went through a very bad sickness with COVID-19, as we all remember. And in case you thought Trump was trying to hide what he did with the vaccine, watch this. A lot of our people don't want to take vaccine. You know, I don't know what that is exactly. Republican, I don't know what it is. You encourage people to get it. I, I encourage them to take it, I do. But they want me to make a vaccine. Did you get it? They want, Yes, I did. They want, I had it and I took it, okay? You got both. I, because I believe. Again, you know, one thing that Donald Trump really understands, and he spent a lot of time thinking about, I think, is his legacy. This is Donald Trump's legacy. Joe Biden is trying to steal that legacy. Mark Thiessen, who is no huge Trump cheerleader, makes this point very well in the Washington Post. He says, quote, if Biden wants to convince those Americans to get immunized, he should remind them that Operation Warp Speed, the greatest public health achievement in human history, was also the greatest achievement of the Trump presidency. Before leaving office, Trump had contracted to buy at least eight hundred million vaccine doses with delivery by July 31st, enough to vaccinate every single American. But instead of giving Trump credit for this accomplishment, Biden has tried to play down Trump's role, falsely declaring that my predecessor, as my mother would say, good God, love him, failed to order enough vaccines. This is childish. Operation Warp Speed gave us the vaccines. Trump led it. It was his achievement. Full stop. Imagine that message from Joe Biden. Imagine the difference it would make. Maybe you're one of these people who are like, you know what, I don't really want to take the vaccine. I'm annoyed with the media. I'm annoyed with the White House. It's not my thing. That's totally up to you. Totally your choice. 
But if instead of the if the messaging was that, if the messaging was bringing Donald Trump to the White House and saying, hey, let's sit here and not talk about whether you want to denounce white supremacy one more time or what was going on with January 6th. And instead, we talk about the vaccines and the way that these are helping people and the way that you, President Trump, are responsible for them. It's not just Biden. It's the media, too. The media is doing this. Why isn't the media going on and bringing Donald Trump on and saying, you know what, Don, we want to invite you on the show. And I know you think we're going to ask you about white supremacy in January 6th for the 10 millionth time. Instead, what we want to do is just talk about the vaccines, the process, how you were able to do this so well and how they're helping so many people. The media should highlight the comments that we played here today if they actually cared about getting people vaccinated. But that's not the priority. How about interviewing Donald Trump without all the politics and all the hate? How about bringing him on and talking about what we all, I thought, agreed was a very public, uh, important public health measure? Even if you don't believe he deserves the credit, think about this for a moment. Think about this for a moment. If what will be the result of this is people who might be hesitant that are Donald Trump voters getting the vaccine. And you're telling us the Delta variant is oh so scary and that the pandemic may go on. We may get more variants and more variants and more bad things happening. Why wouldn't you utilize the guy who led the effort to come up with the vaccine? Why won't the media and the White House do any of this? Why? The answer is serious, simple and sad. They care more about denying Trump credit than they do about getting people vaccinated and saving potentially their lives. What are you prioritizing? If you're in the media, if you are in the Biden administration, if Delta is so dangerous, wouldn't you be willing to highlight Trump's achievements? Isn't that a small price to pay to stop a pandemic? Facts are facts. This is tough for the media and the left to deal with, but it's true. This is an inconvenient miracle. The person the media and the Democratic Party hate the most, Donald Trump, oversaw what is possibly the greatest public health miracle in the history of all civilization. He deserves credit for it. But even if you don't agree with that framing, you in theory actually want people to get Vaccinated. Having Jen Psaki interrupt people's dinners with needles is not the way to do it. If you can't sacrifice your egos for a couple of minutes to give Trump his well-deserved credit and highlight his message about the vaccines, then how much do you really care? Would you rather have your talking point than save innocent lives? It's true that there is a stupid culture war that gets in the way of all this. I understand that. Remember, it was people like Kamala Harris who were the anti-vaxxers back before the election. And if Trump had won, I guarantee you it would be the left not getting vaccinated. But if you really believe what you say, that Delta is dangerous, that we are in a pandemic, that vaccines can help, then why wouldn't you swallow your pride in order to save lives? I don't think I want the answer to that question. We should all be able to assess and deal with our own risk. This goes from everything from the vaccine to driving down the car, uh, driving down the street in the car every day. And it also has to do with you getting on the Internet, because every time you get on the Internet, 
you have to deal with real threats and you have to assess whether these things are valuable. You don't want to take so many steps. You don't want to unplug everything completely. You can't. It's hard to live like that these days. You want to be able to use the Internet for the good things about it and not have your data stolen from you, not have your data uh, taken and utilized to be sold on the, uh, on the dark web. Your data is valuable. Hackers can make like a thousand bucks a person on this. That's why ExpressVPN exists. They act as online insurance. It creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that hackers can't steal your personal data. And ExpressVPN is simple to use on all your devices. All you have to do is fire up the app, click one button, and get connected. You can secure your online data today by ex uh, visiting expressvpn.com slash stew, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash stew and get uh, three extra months free when you do it that way expressvpn.com slash stew don't forget the slash stew part of the address because that's how they know you like this stupid show expressvpn.com slash stew and get that extra three months free happy to welcome back to the program filmmaker ami horowitz his newest piece is available now on his youtube page it's inside black lives matter a BLM expose. Go check it out right now. Ami, thanks for coming on the program. It's a pleasure, Stu. How are you doing? Uh, really good. Really good. Uh, it's a really uh, interesting uh, look you take uh, kind of really inside uh, Black Lives Matter. You covered many of these events. Uh, you talked to a lot of people involved. Um, let me start here. You, you, you seem to want to get an answer to a question as to whether this organization actually justifies and supports the sort of violence and rioting and property destruction we saw all last year. And there was a pretty clear answer to that one, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. Uh, anybody who tells you, and I know this is kind of what you know, their, their mantra is, that, hey, uh, we don't support violence. BLM isn't about violence. BLM is just a, you know, feel good, trying to, you know, trying to make everything equal and, and equity in, in our country. Um, it, it's a lie. It's a, it's a straight up patent lie. The Black Lives Matter movement, the Black Lives Matter organization, not only supports the violence, they are actual sponsors of the violence. They went out of their way to bus people in to the areas where the rioting and the looting were occurring in order, they were sponsors, first movers of the riots and the looting and the violence we saw that engulfed our country in 2020 and even 2021. Um, and, and I, I wanted to, to, again, embed myself in the organization. I went to dozens of riots across the country. I went to uh, probably 30 or 40 uh, of the so-called protests that went on. And I spoke to hundreds of Black Lives Matter supporters, protesters, marchers, and in fact, even one of the founders of BLM. And consistently, what I heard across the board was A, the people who were actually rioting were, were open about who they represented. But more importantly, the media makes it seem like, wait a second, the protesters are not the same thing as the rioters. And while that's true, but the, rea the reality is that you will be hard pressed to find a single protester who won't justify the violence. They'll tell you, look, there's a reason why they're, vi I won't personally loot. I won't personally riot but I support them because they are being, they're under attack by the structures of our country and the society. And that's why we had what we had over the last, you know, 16, 17 months. It really was amazing to watch because uh, universally you had people basically saying, look, we don't, the violence, even if I don't do it, I'm okay with other people doing it because of how bad the situation is. 
And also, like, the, how bad the situation was was universal. It was capitalism is the enemy here, and the other enemy is the United States of America. This experiment is not worth continuing. I mean, that was really shocking to hear, especially around July 4th. Yeah, which they, like I said, they literally said it. Now, I want to be very clear about what Black Lives Matter stands for as an organization. Um, first of all, they are Marxist, right? And, and the ones who aren't Marxist will say, I'm not a Marxist, but they all, all want to destroy the capitalist system. Mm. Uh, and that's across the board for anyone involved in the organization. They want to tear down all of the structures. That's what it comes down to. They feel that America is a failure. They, you said it because they said it in the video. They want to end the American experiment as we know it. And if you don't think that that's what they want, you're being naive about it. That is their ultimate goal. And that doesn't just include capitalism. It includes the judicial system. It includes the entire security establishment. They want to destroy it all. And they have a very specific reason for doing that. Because by, by undermining the U.S. system, by undermining all the structures, they can then remake America in their own warped image. That's their goal. Make no mistake about it. It's not about fixing the system. It's about destroying it completely. That is their goal, Stu. And I'm not saying it. If you watch the video, and I, I, you know, when I'm on the show, I often tell, I don't, you know, push people to watch the videos. They have to watch this video because they say it in their own words. It's one thing for people like you and I to talk about what they do. It's something very different to listen to their own words, and they say what you and I have been talking about for the last 16 months. Uh, one person who said it, which was I thought pretty notable, was one of the founders of BLM. Uh, you, I have to at least ask this question, whether you can tell me or not, I don't know. But how the hell did you get in the, in the room with her, and why was she answering your questions? I, I was fascinated to the fact that you even were able to ask them, let alone get actual answers. Yeah, so I, I can't tell you how I did it, but of course, I couldn't go as Ami Horowitz, right? Of course, you'll never meet with Ami Horowitz, the Jew. By the way, to be clear, uh, BLM is also an absolutely anti-Semitic, or forget about anti-Israel, which they are through and through. Anti-Semitism is in their bones, it's in their DNA, it's in their bloodstream, okay? And and how did I know this? Because first of all, they would they would say it, but second of all, I I would I watched, I filmed, and it's in the video as well. I filmed the, the, the riot that went on in Jewish neighborhoods where they were destroying and burning down synagogues and, place, and, and, and schools. I watched them as they would, they, would, they would be marching through a town, for instance, and they would stop and they saw a synagogue and they would tag up the synagogue or throw incendiary devices onto the synagogue. Mm. This, this is what they are about. And, and it's so sad to watch Jewish leaders give them lip service and support of BLM when at the end of the day, they want the destruction of the Jewish people. There's no other way to say it because their actions show it. It is disgusting. It is incredible. And to watch that, and look, if you ask them about, and, I, and of course we did, and they, they were proud about it. They tweeted about their support of, of the most vile anti-Semitic leaders across the country. It is, it's astonishing to watch this whole thing come about. And, and it's even more astonishing to watch the media give them a pass, more than a pass, to watch the media support them. Stu, I was at the riots and I would watch uh, CNN and, and MSNBC and their cameras go down, mm. down when the, when the looting and the rioting would happen. And then when the police would respond proportionally, responsibly, their cameras would then go up. 
right? That's, I saw this thing go firsthand. I would, you know, it's at one point I was interviewing with one person who was talking about killing white people. We have to kill all the white people. And, and next to me was another international correspondent listening to this conversation. And then they took my place and began asking questions. They didn't follow up with anything this person said. They would ask questions about how do you feel, but what's going on? Tell me about the injustice. It was incredible to watch, dude, in real time. Uh, really, I mean, that's these are the tactics we usually see in the Middle East, in Israel, with uh, Israeli-Palestinian co- conflict, where they do these types of things all the time. Um, let me uh, let me go let me go a little further on this on this one uh, particular uh, rally uh, uh, slash uh, protest slash riot uh, in 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 Los Angeles that was filled with anti-Semitic slurs that was graffiti everywhere damage to property of of Jewish citizens uh, everywhere and I will say like you know as someone who follows the news pretty closely and followed those riots pretty closely. I don't remember hearing word one in the media about this, which was clearly a targeted attack against Jews. It was a pogrom. I don't know what else to say. it. I mean, mm. thank God nobody was killed. Uh, but no, no doubt that if there were Jews in the area trying to protect their places of worship and their schools, they would have been physically attacked if not killed. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but luckily, the police were able to clear the area out and they had the room to, to roam and destruct um, and do all the things that they did. Uh, this is all film. This stuff was all film. Was all out there online. Yet you, again, you don't hear the media talking about any of this stuff. It is despicable. I, I don't know what else. What else? What are the words to use, dude? Mm. All right. Let me go back to this interview one more time. With I want to push you a little bit on this because you were in this in the room with one of the founders of BLM, and she's answering questions uh, from you in a relatively friendly way. What was? What was uh, the thing you took, uh, if you could name one thing, there's a lot in the video about it, and she admits to, uh, you know, and, and discusses things you wouldn't expect her to discuss in such a frank manner. Um, you got a lot out of this interview. What was the number one thing you took from it? I, I would say, I mean, there was a lot, obviously, but if I were to point to one thing that, ju- that shocked me more than any other was when I asked her straight up, should we be targeting police officers? Should we be killing police officers? She, she looked at the camera slyly and she smiled and she said, I can't answer that on camera, which of course means yes, right? Like there's only one answer to that, which is of course not, absolutely not. But she looked at me slyly and gives me this, this despicable smile and she goes, I don't want to answer that on camera. The killing of police officers, dude, that's what we're coming, this is what we've come to. It was a remarkable moment, honestly, Ami. Um, let me end on something positive here, because there was positive. Are I you thought. really? Are you able to do that? that I, I want I'm, wait, I'm waiting to see how you do that. Okay, this is going to be a magic trick. Get ready. Um, <laughs> the New Beginnings Church, which is in the South Side of Chicago, uh, you met with the pastor there, and and I honestly was really encouraged by the way he looked at this situation. He he was honest about it, and gosh, we just need so many more people like him to do that type of thing. And the truth of the matter is, and if, okay, there, there is a way to, to put a positive spin on this, which is the vast majority of black people do not subscribe to what they witnessed in 2020. That's the bottom line. And, and in fact, if you look at the polls of Black Lives Matter in the black community, at first it was incredibly high, well into the 70s. And it came down significantly because the community looks at this and is disgusted by what people are doing in their name. They do not represent black people. And by, by the way, the shame of this, and if you want to make us more writ large, you want to pull back the camera a little bit, pun intended, what you find is that black leadership, for the most part, does not represent 
the black community. And they haven't for a very, very long time. If you talk about white privilege, critical race theory, if you, if you ask, and I do, and you, as you know, I create a lot of videos of the black community that they do not subscribe to these schools of thought, to these theories, these dogmas. And they're embarrassed by them, that's the truth. But they have nowhere they can vent this. Their leadership, the people who are actually on camera are unfortunately mostly on board with this. But the community they purport to represent are not. And the pastor, Pastor Brooks in Chicago, who sees the violence firsthand, he does not blame guns, right? He does not blame coronavirus, he blames a particular outlook of the people committing the violence. And he knows that Black Lives Matter does not represent him. Black Lives Matter does not represent his community. And he's offended that Black Lives Matter isn't there when there's black on black violence torching and destroying his community. Now, it's a powerful documentary and a powerful look inside of Black Lives Matter. You're not going to see it anywhere else. Uh, you got to go to Ami Horowitz's YouTube channel. Look, go to YouTube. You go to Ami Horowitz's, cha- Horowitz's channel. Click subscribe. Go to Stu Does America. Click subscribe. Lots of good videos. Ami's releasing them all the time, and they're always really good. This one's called Inside Black Lives Matter, a BLM expose. It's about 20 minutes or so, and it's going to give you all sorts of information that you miss in hours and hours and hours and hours of watching mainstream media. Go there on YouTube. Check it out with Ami Horowitz. I'll tweet out a link uh, to that as well from uh, my uh, Twitter page, at Stu Does America. Ami, where can people find you? Uh, AmiHorowitz.com, a repository of all things Ami Horowitz. <laughs> I mean, there's no better slogan for a website than that. Uh, Ami, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks, Stu. Always a pleasure. Thanks for hanging out and doing America with me this week. Feel free to do America with me 24-7 over at my Instagram page, at Stu Does America. Got exclusive pics and content, plus the link in the bio. Takes you to all the platforms where you can stream this show. Silly, silly show that we do every single day for free. Uh, you can go to youtube.com slash America as well. And don't forget, if you're listening to podcasts, we appreciate that. Please subscribe and give us a review. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. And remember, every time you do that, not only are you helping us, but you're hurting others. And that's really the most important thing. Uh, Michael Avenatti is going to prison. And this is a shocking development because he seems so on the up and up from the very beginning to me. Uh, but he is, uh, he, while he was going after Donald Trump and bashing Trump constantly, he was also extorting the Nike Corporation for millions of dollars, tried to get $25 million out of them. I mean, two and a half years is actually a pretty soft uh, sentence for Avenatti here. It's on the lower level of punishments. Uh, he was sobbing like a little girl before this actually happened. He was very sad. He started crying. He did say in a statement, I am truly sorry for all the pain I caused Mr. Franklin and others. Not sure if he's talking about Ben Franklin, uh, but he's been screwing him over as well. But I want you to take a moment because this stuff comes and goes oh so quickly. Michael Avenatti came into our life. He was on television all the time and then he was gone, gone forever. Uh, Now for a couple of years at least, we will not be hearing from him at all. But I want to remind you how much the left-wing media loved Michael Avenatti. It's easy now to stop and say, well, the guy's a criminal, he's going to prison, obviously he has no credibility. That was not how the media saw it back when he was just saying bad things about Donald Trump. He was the most credible man in the entire universe. And I don't think that's an exact quote from this montage that the Washington Free Beacon put together, but it's pretty damn close. Watch. 
He's Donald Trump's worst nightmare. Michael Avenatti. Joining us once again is Michael Avenatti. Let's bring in Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti, thank you very much. He's out there saving the <laughs> Look, country. It, it, Don Meacham says he may be the savior of the republic. You are something of a folk hero now. I owe Michael Avenatti an apology. I've been saying enough for writing, Michael. I've seen you everywhere. What do you have left to say? I was wrong, brother. You have a lot to say. I uh, am just dying to hear what you think. These people all like you. I'm the only person right here Donald Trump fears more than Robert Miller. We think you guys are the tip of the spear that's going to take down Donald Trump. Right. Michael Avenatti's a beast. Okay, that's true. And he, he's a beast. He's a beast. I hand it to yeah. her and I hand it to Michael Avenatti. But he has a great, bigger calling here that being a lawyer is minimal compared to what he's doing. No one has talked tougher directly to Donald Trump on TV than Michael Avenatti. And Donald Trump is afraid to mention his name. That's fascinating. Donald Trump is terrified of Michael Avenatti. Now, he gives Trump a run for his money more than anybody else, Michael Avenatti. An existential threat to the Trump presidency. The Democrats could learn something for you. You are messing with Trump a lot more than they are. He has no doubt created sheer panic in Donald Trump's very fragile mind. Michael Avenatti is laying down the law as guest co-host. And is he really thinking about running for president? Uh, one reason why I'm taking you seriously as a contender is because of your presence on cable news. You look at the field of Democrats right now, and Avenatti's the one who stands out. If they decide they value a fighter most, yes. people would be foolish to underestimate Michael yeah. Avenatti. I have always said that they need a fighter. Look, I mean, we're going to continue to use the media. I think we've used it with great success. All of my sexual fantasies involve handcuffs. Oh. Did you know you can comment on the show on YouTube as the show is going on? We love for you to do that. YouTube.com slash America is the place to do it. Uh, Steve Arooney writes, increasing temperature indicates climate change. Decreasing temperatures indicate climate change. Temperature staying steady indicates climate change. Unfalsifiable hypothesis is unfalsifiable. Very true. We did a show on climate yesterday that you don't want to miss. Go out and check it out at uh, the YouTube page. Uh, some reviews from iTunes. We appreciate these. Conservanerd. Yes, that's me. Whatever. I love the show. Stu style is fun and informative. He shares common sense views and is not boring. It's great. Whatever. Thank you so much for that. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. Uh, this one from Lieben Lizard. It's great. Whatever. Love it. You have another conservative nerd. More charts and graphs, please. You know, I love it when people come to me and they say, more charts and graphs. It's what I bring to the table every single day. Uh, and Power Hour Therapy. Ever since I followed along with Power Hour, I do a Power Hour, Power Hour every night. Oh, good God. That's not healthy. Stu, you changed my life. Apparently for the worse, uh, but we appreciate the five freaking stars. Thanks so much. Let me give you a few very obvious stories here before we move on tonight. Hampton's squatter uh, won't vacate the rent, her rental property for the owner of the property who happens to be a Holocaust survivor. This is one of these COVID laws that was put in basically to say, well, look, COVID's going on. We can't uh, have these evil land uh, landlords evicting these people into the middle of a pandemic now, can we? So what's happening, of course, is that people are taking advantage of this now that it's not nearly as dangerous and things are opening up. They still have these rules on the books 
And this uh, Holocaust survivor has come back and has a $657,000 house they can't get into, they can't live in, because of a short-term rental that the lady won't leave from, who is apparently a real estate agent as well. Very, very odd. But I think obviously we all know people are going to take advantage of these rules, and it's happening all over the country. Here's another obvious that we know. Ready for this one, ladies? According to military.com, early data of a uh, physical fitness test for uh, soldiers in the U.S. Army as they transition to a genderless fitness test uh, is uh, there's some early data that's showing some shocking conclusions. Nearly half of female soldiers can't pass the test and might face being removed from service once it becomes official next year. The Army is now considering a return to gender-specific fitness standards. Of course they are. 44% of women have failed the test. Only 7% of men have failed it. Only 66% of female soldiers, excuse me, 66 out of female soldiers have scored a 500 out of a perfect 600 uh, since October. So 66 women, 31,978 men. There's a slight difference there. Not exactly shocking to most people. Kind of obvious. How about this one? Law enforcement is having some issues. According to police executive research form, officer resignations were up. Huh? Up by 18% in the first half of 2021 compared to the same period in 2020. Police departments reported a 45% increase in the retirement rate over the past year. I can tell you anecdotally, as well as from statistics coming out of the largest agencies in the nation, that we are in a retention crisis for law enforcement. No way. I wonder why they would want to leave. And in our final obvious news item of the evening, hot dogs, buns, the wrong freaking amount in each package. How is this still possible in the society? You got to go to 40 to make them even out. Okay. Four packs of uh, hot dogs and five packs of buns. Or is it the reverse? I can't remember. There's eight in one. There's 10 in the other. It's wrong. It's evil. Everything about it is wrong. Heinz has started a petition to overturn it. This goes all the way back to, I mean, wasn't this in like a Steve Martin movie in the early 90s? Like this is a zillion years old. For some reason, it's still not fixed. Maybe we can do one thing right as a nation, as a people and get this fixed. Back in a second. Before we go tonight, big news here at Blaze TV. I want to tell you about a brand new show that's appearing right here on Blaze TV. It's Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Yes, this is going to be awesome. Jason and Uncle Jimmy on Blaze TV, 7 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. And you can enjoy an early podcast exclusive release at 5 p.m. Eastern, wherever you happen to listen to your podcast. Use blazetv.com slash stew and you'll get a discount, 10 bucks off an annual Blaze TV subscription. It's blazetv.com slash stew. Promo code is stew. Save your 10 bucks. Check out Jason Whitlock and Uncle Jimmy. Before we leave, uh, a New Zealand mother has named her three kids Metallica, Slayer, and Pantera. This is actually real they've seen the birth certificates it was actually discovered by a netflix uh, guy he does documentaries and he uh, has seen the birth certificates he was initially skeptical as metallica's middle name is and justice for all which is one of their albums uh but there is no restriction on naming your kid after a band apparently uh and so there you go metallica uh, slayer and pantera congratulations to 
the New Zealand mom and her very metal family. Uh, I will say, however, no matter how cool their names are at birth, they will all end up with the same nickname eventually, which is bullied at school. Uh, that's unfortunately how that's going to go. Um, but uh, who am I to say? Right? I mean, I'm the one who probably got bullied at school. So that's kind of my more my vibe, don't you think? Go to blazetv.com slash stew. Get that uh, subscription all lined up. YouTube, uh, podcast, subscribe, rate and review. Do all that stuff. And stewdoesmerch.com for all the merch. We'll see you tomorrow.